You are listening to Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. I want to be scared of my e-bike, and I want it to be like sketchy. Like you have to tell someone, like, "Hey, if you go wide open throttle, you can only go wide open throttle for like ten seconds, or like shit's gonna melt or catch on fire, <laughs> or like something sketchy." I like stuff that's scary that you can't just like you, can't you just want get on. like the Christians two forty of e-bikes. Exactly. Yeah, it should it should scare you, and it should scare others. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Just Riding Along, brought to you by Backyard Ballistics Testing. Maybe Ben will add a sound clip in there. Um, Anyway, uh, tonight's episode, we have uh, some listener donations. Um, We we have a listener question. Um, We had a very entertaining listener um, photo sent in along with that question. Um, It made me and all of my coworkers laugh (laughs) because I showed it to them. Um, yeah. Uh, do you want to start out by naming off our donors for the week? Cause we had some pretty amazing, uh, amounts of, of cash given to us, like enough for at least one sushi dinner. So Vince Booth from Rossland, British Columbia, Canada gave $25. That's $32 and 25 cents Canadian, 32, 35 Canadian based on the 10, 12 exchange rate. So <laughs> that person actually like leveled up to give yeah. us an even 25, uh, Dean Jensen from Minnesota gave $25. And uh, Randy Simonson from Illinois gave $50. Jesus, $50 Damn. fucking dollars. This, Randy's on coke. $50. He's like, ah, I'm just going to give him some send money. Him, like, Kenny should go to his house and blow up an airbag in the backyard just for entertainment purposes. Yeah, I'll put one in his mailbox. <laughs> that would be a federal offense. Yeah, you can't mess with people's mailboxes. That actually belongs to the post office. Uh, well, you can buy your own mailbox. You can have one just for airbags. <laughs> if he can be spending 50 bucks on just riding long, he can buy a second mailbox to have me blow stuff up in. <laughs> oh, man. oh, Matt just dropped the mic. I quit. We're done. The show's over. Man. I feel kind of responsible now. That's like a lot of cash. I feel like we have to like make this worthwhile and, and actually be like productive. I think we already have. Okay. All right, cool. So um, what do we want to do first? Do we want to burn through these questions really quick and then go to uh, – Yeah, let's burn through questions and then just talk about shit that we've done. All right, so Stan from Nevada said that we told someone to live in the wrong area. Uh, sorry, Stan. Someone was asking us about our opinions on different places, and we gave our opinions on those places. Um, and then he says he bought a bike that we wouldn't, wouldn't want, but he's going to put nice wheels on it. So cool. Um, uh, okay. Steve from Arizona had a question. Hey, JR. He's going to put some, some I-9 hubs on it. Yeah. Knox he's going to polish hubs. up a turd. It's going to be nice. Hey, so what did our previous guy not like about what our recommendation was on what, where to live or something? Uh, yeah. So we, we recorded like a super fan Jake episode last week. Jake and I recorded since, uh, Andrew was at 24 worlds and everything oh, was okay. like a little weird. Um, we recorded something and, uh, I think you were like gone somewhere or something. You weren't able to do it. So, sure. um, someone had wanted to know about Atlanta and Nashville and it was just like, both are not good places to ride your bike year round. So I got sorry. Um, Steve from Arizona, 
Um, and I don't know if Kenny has seen this. I wonder. <laughs> so let me do Kenny, this. Kenny, are you on? Are you on Slack? Uh, no. I've got whatever this Skype Messenger thing is. We can maybe oh, try look, it there. Matt can send it to you. I'm gonna try to like. You could even do like some basic shit. You could just like take a picture I'll of your screen with your you. phone and text it to me. I'm uh, not like. We'll see of if that. this thing I just IMG works. Okay, cool. Like in Skype. I don't know if that's gonna be something that you're not able to see if you're not like. Yeah, I have to log in. Okay. Let me um, do a screenshot. No, right hold now on. Let me do phone. one more thing. And I'm gonna text it to you. This is it's even better in in full size in the computer screen though. Hold okay. on, and everyone, I'm bumping around into my mic and stuff because I'm trying to see if Skype will let me do this. I'm, I'm sending it to Kenny right now through text. I message. want this to work though. I'd already. Yeah, that's gonna we work. Can let, we can let we can let the listeners hear it come through. It'd be yep. exciting. Do, 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 do. I sent you a screenshot. There you go. Okay. So, while Kenny is getting that, I'll read this guy's question. Steve from Arizona says, <laughs> it's just impossible not to laugh. And I'm sure Ben's going to share this with the episode. Yeah. So, if you look, if you normally listen on an app, go and look, find it at uh, jrashow.com. That's jrashow.com. And you can find a big picture of this. It, we'll probably run and this. Andrea, you, might, you might need to just take a, a text pic of it because I did. this thing's not working for some reason. I, I, sent, I sent it to you. Okay. It doesn't okay. say delivered yet. It's hanging out in the in the intertubes. Oh, there okay. it goes. It's there it finally is. Finally showed up. Here we go. All right, hey JRA, with Matt and Andrea now ripping around Colorado on several carbon bikes, I'd like to hear what you both did to protect them from chips and gouges caused by rocks being kicked up off the trail and into the frame. Could you also dispel the notion that kicking up a rock will slice slice through a carbon frame? I live in Arizona and I hear this way too often. No one is nobody is ever able to provide any evidence that's ever happened. Completely useless to listeners. Attaches a crude diagram illustrating <laughs> what these writers are thinking will happen. Steve, that is the best fucking diagram I've ever that is, seen. Like, that is as the far best as diagrams list, go, that is fucking amazing. And I could be wrong, but is that a scene from Alien? <laughs> yes, it is. Okay. So, with <laughs> most diagrams are pointless. Your diagram. Why is there stands in your frame? <laughs> your diagram is simply fucking amazing. We need to forward that fifty dollars. No, let's not get too. Oh, let's not get crazy. Let's not get crazy about it. I mean, Steve doesn't record. I mean, he did that in paint in like six minutes. He was some of the best stuff that's ever been done in the world has been done in paint in six minutes. That's That's... pretty amazing, though. That actually would be like legitimate mountain bike like stardom right there if this gets out. It's pretty amazing. I'll put it on my blog. Oh man, so. It, for those of you that don't know, there's a scene. You just have to go and look. You'll just have to go find this picture. You just we'll, have to see the picture. You'll just have to see the picture. Yeah, so. hopefully at some point there'll be a link on JRA and Ben will post up this photo. Yeah. It'll be fucking sick. Yeah. Um, so Brady from Wisconsin. Oh, wait, we didn't answer the question. Nothing. You can't get a, a rock. We. I, I've done nothing to the down tube of my bike to protect it from rocks. Yeah, I mean, like, it's a I mean, it's a trick which came with one of those little rock armor pieces glued on, and I guess that that's still there and it still works. But the person that rode this frame before me wasn't able to break it, and uh, yeah, if Jonathan Davis can't break a frame with rocks, then no one can break a frame with rocks. I've never actually seen a mountain bike frame be damaged so much that it breaks from a rock. I've definitely seen like some spider webbing, and like maybe you can 
I know sorta. Forrest Owens had one that at Silmo. Um, I mean, I think he got like kind of a spider web kind of thing, like you're talking about. From yeah, and like you might be able to push it in a little bit with your finger, but like other than that, it's not going to fail and kill you. It doesn't. Or it doesn't matter. There. You'd be shocked actually on like a carbon frame. I mean, you know, on, there are holes the in your frame, like the... where they put water bottles exactly. in there. Think about your damn water bottle things. They just drill holes in there and then put a little, um, oh, they put God, a little grip nut in there. So it doesn't matter. Like it really doesn't. You could, you could just bash your down tube with a hammer repeatedly. And I encourage you all to go do that at home. <laughs> What's and wrong, Matt? It's going to be fine. Like it's just, it's just going to be fine. So I have had the most horrendous noises from carbon bikes descending. And I didn't even see a mark, let alone actual damage. Um, same goes for aluminum frames. I've heard the most horrendous noises where I think there is no way in the world I'm not going to stop and see a giant dent in my down tube, and there's nothing there. Yeah. So I don't know what people are doing. It's different. Like, if you actually, like, crash into a large immovable rock, that is a different thing. Um, but rocks, like, flinging up from the trail, like, anyone that's big enough to be deflected by your tire and then hit your down tube, even one that's, like, you know, a fist size rock, it's going to be just fine. So quit being a baby. Here's the thing. Um, I've only seen one problem of this in the past, and it was a dude on a road bike ran over a chunk of angle iron that sliced into his tire, went for a ride in his tire, flung out of the tire and slammed into the down tube on his bike and broke a hole in it. I mean, that's just a fluke. That's like, probably did he ride at home? Well, no, because his tire well, was yeah. Oh, yeah. His tire like was his tire insane. was cut to the rim. So, no, he didn't ride home. But but not because of his broken carbon. Yeah, it had nothing to do with broken carbon. So stop, just everyone stop. It's not going to happen. Just stop worrying about it. Just stop being a dick. Stop being stupid. But do go and look at this picture because it's just it's just sick. <laughs> Why do you have stands in your frame? <laughs> All right, so Brady from Wisconsin says, My local trails are the Shequamagan Shequamagan trails, the Czech Republic Garmageddon trails, and Hayward, Wisconsin. I usually park at the OO trailhead. The OO? Is that like? Probably County Road OO. That's what. That's how they named their roads in Wisconsin. Jesus Christ. It's all a grid. Uh, and at that trailhead and ride from there, I have a little over an hour commute to the trail. So I bring one of those black bag camp showers with me so I don't have to smell myself the whole drive back. It never seems to fail that as soon as my shorts come off, someone parks right next to me. OO is a pretty big trailhead and I've tried parking everywhere to try and get some privacy from the edge of the lot to smack dab in the middle. Do you guys have any clue as to why this is? What's the question? Thanks for the good show. Why do people park next to you at the trailhead? if, um. I, I mean, don't know. I mean, I have a really good theory about it, but they don't want to park in an awkward place in the parking lot. Yeah, so if you have a car already parked, you can park near it, buy it, and then you never end up being the person that starts the things off where there's like it ends up there's not a parking spot because everyone parked a little too far away from one another. Like seats at the airport. Yeah, exactly. Like when everyone wants two seats between them and their neighbor, suddenly you have to sit down next to someone, like really close to someone. But if you just go ahead and like dedicate yourself to sitting one seat away from someone, then it's not that like odd 
situation. And I think that's probably what's happening. Um, and also, if there's if there's no lines on the parking lot, people just aren't that smart. I mean, honestly. People, yeah, they're like, hey, this person's already parked. Like, people just aren't smart. So they just whip in, and they're like, oh, car, put my car beside your car. This is where the cars go. <laughs> that's, a good, um, that's, that's pretty good. And, and lastly, the other thing is, if I park near you, then I can get out of my car and be like, hey, how's it going? Oh, good. You have a good ride? Yeah, it was good. Da-da-da. And I can start chatting with you. And then if I've forgotten something, we're already talking. And I can, like, ask you, like, oh, man, I left my pump at home. Can I use yours? Whereas, like, if I park across the lot from you, then I have to, like, come running, screaming from across the way, like, with half my clothes on. Like, hey, 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 can I borrow your pump? And you don't know if I'm talking about your tire pump or your penis pump or what. So, like, or a shock pump. Or a shock pump or... <laughs> Penis pump or I whatever. I did that at Mount Falcon the other day. I was about to ride, and I was like, I I feel a little squishy. And I just rode around the parking lot till I, I found some bros that had a shock pump. And they were like, dial it, brah. Dial it, bro. I you did. Got I, it. I pumped it up, and I, I screwed the cap out. I was like, totally dialed. And like handed them the pump back. <laughs> they hate you. <laughs> no, they, they liked me. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, so that's what I think. I think that that's why. What do you think, Kenny? Why would someone park near someone else in the trailhead parking lot? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny's like, can we I don't skip know. this that's, question? That's, uh, that's kind of a weird question. I think we're grasping at straws. I think we, I'm just throwing this out here. I think we might be reading into that a little too much. I think, I, I think Matt just, did a good job of answering that. I think there's just a bunch of people in the parking lot and they park wherever and you. I guess you assume they're looking at you or something, but like, I don't instead know. of using a camp shower, you can always do so. Like if you if you wrap a, a towel, like take your water and splash it on your towel in an appropriate spot, and I'll let you figure that out for yourself. And then you just reach like your hand on the outside of the towel and bring the towel up the wet part of the towel up to your crotch and just like rub it a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> what a solid advice. That's why people listen to this show. <laughs> Matt's dying. Matt's dead. <laughs> and then, yes. so you that use move, that, that like. That move is called the wet, sh- the wet towel douche. <laughs> exactly. Like, you do that, and then you, I mean, you obviously <laughs> you take the towel up and wash it. <laughs> I've never seen Matt laugh this hard. <laughs> but that's how you get sweat. And chamois butter and everything, like, out of your, you know, your underside. <laughs> and then you can reach... <laughs> this is going to totally blow Matt's mind. You can use the other hand and the dry side of the towel, and you reach forward, like, from the front side with some dry towel, and then dry it off. <laughs> now we've got to take, like, a, a one-minute break so Matt can finish laughing. <laughs> Ben can edit this part out. Jesus Christ. <laughs> You've never done that before? I'm just I'm just gonna walk away from this one. <laughs> I think that we I gave good advice out. I on... think I handed out good advice too. It sounds like you hand in good advice. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean that's So another piece of advice is you could bring you could get one of those little kitty pools that are pretty cheap. <laughs> And just fill that sucker up, and uh, and just do have a little bath. Like in next the back of your car. car. You could just, I'd, if you're in a truck, you can just carry it around in the back of your truck. 
If you're in a truck, you just put a tarp in the back and fill the whole bed up with water. Yeah, Mississippi swimming pool. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, it hurts. <laughs> oh, it hurts. All right, that was all of our questions. Um, if you have any any questions, you can always email them to info at mountainbikeradio.com. That is info, I-N-F-O, at mountainbikeradio.com. If you can't spell info after I spelled it for you, I'm sorry. You're not smart enough to send in a good question. And you should now, definitely include yeah, I was gonna say paint, na- paint shop photos. Now that Steve has included a diagram with his, if you do not include a diagram, you will be answered possibly, but you might not get the same um, – Internet stardom that Steve. Steve is about to be an internet superstar. He is. <laughs> he totally is. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh oh gosh. So, Kenny, what have you been up to lately? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember the last time we talked. It was a long time ago. Um, yeah, let's see. What have I done? I've ridden. So, I've got some input on oval rings. Oh yeah. You finally so wrote it. Yeah, I've been riding my oval ring a bunch. And uh, I think that it's really fucking stupid. <laughs> stupid with a T? Stupid. Like, did you notice no difference or bad difference? No, it just, it just immediately pissed me off. Kenny <laughs> sounds like me right now. I, just, I was just if, pissed. If any, any piece of equipment that can make Kenny sound like Matt is probably a bad idea. Yeah, the thing is, like, it just... It it made me feel like I was I had never pedaled a bicycle before because I have what I would assume is a fairly smooth pedal stroke and I can like get my cadence up pretty damn high and I have no problem doing that I don't like bounce around on my bike like an idiot um, and then I get on this ring and all of a sudden I feel like a freaking sewing machine <laughs> it, it's just really weird it's a very disconcerting feeling I felt like I'm putting down power through the power part of my pedal stroke. And then on the way back, there's like an extra little bit that I have to push. So it just it just feels wrong to me. Do you me. think maybe if it was clocked a few degrees differently that it would be more comfortable? Or uh, if it I actually was just don't a slightly so. different oval shape? I don't think so because what it does for me is it, it accelerates. I mean it does exactly what it says it does, which is elongate the power part of your pedal stroke. Okay. And I don't like that. I just don't. Um I like to, if anything, I like to spin a little bit if I need to. And the really thing that really bothers me about it is, especially in Memphis, where you're riding somewhere flat or if you're doing some training on the road with your mountain bike and you get your cadence up a little bit, or especially if you're just putting your head down and you throw it in, you know, I've just got a one by 10. So I throw it in my hardest gear, which is not terribly hard. It's a 3211. And I'm going, you know, low 20s. And you cannot do it with the oval ring. Like it just will not let you do it. It it wants you to run a super super low cadence. So if you want to put out high power at a high cadence, you cannot do it with that ring. Okay, fair uh, enough. And I don't like that because um, I think there are certain situations where um, putting out a high cadence with some power is a really good thing. See, and, I tend to I tend to ride the opposite way, so I wonder if I would like it better. You might like it. I don't know, uh, but there are definitely times when way. I want to. Yeah, you give it a shot. If you have a, do you have a race face uh, next SL crank? Ooh, no, I don't. I have all SRAM stuff. Okay. Never mind. Yeah, this is a an absolute black uh, ring. And the other thing I noticed about it, and I'm, I don't want to bash absolute black too much, 
it's really just the concept of the ring that I don't like, and everybody's doing it. Um, I know Absolute Black is one of the the kind of newer pioneers of this, and not that there haven't been oval rings before. Yeah, Rotor has done it for a long time. But they're one of the people pushing it in this particular fashion, like the degree to which this one is clocked and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but one thing I noticed about it is if you were to run it on single speed, my particular example, the thing's just not freaking round. And obviously, I understand that. But it doesn't keep the chain uh, tension consistent. You can oh, watch I, my... Yeah, I mean, I, I tried a, a single speed one... Um, that I guess it was a rotor one a, a while back, and I yeah. I didn't really I didn't like it not because of the chain tension because I mean it did change but it didn't it stayed within the normal range of like effective tensioning as long as you're you have to have a good chain line which you should do anyway if you're on a single speed. Well, no, what I'm saying is it's like having an out of round cog. Like if you buy some piece of crap cog and you put it on, yeah, and it's just out of round, and that way you have like tight and loose spots in your single speed setup. That's what you'd get with this ring nope. because I, I can watch my derailleur move. I can watch my freaking hanger or not hanger, my the bottom part of my. Oh derailleur yeah, yeah. Range. I can watch it move. It's not a lot, right? Um, but it moves enough where I know for a fact if that was on a single speed, that would not be a good thing. Not that you couldn't make it work. I don't know if the rotor one was the same degree of out of, of ovalness as the absolute black one, but I I did use an oval rotor single speed ring at one point mm-hmm. and it did have like a tight spot and a loose spot but it yeah. wasn't so tight or so loose that it was detrimental to you know the chain and the drivetrain sure um my problem with it was it was fine like in memphis i was actually pretty comfortable on it like it was good to spin mm-hmm. um and I, I actually noticed that I, I think my heart rate was just a little bit lower like i was a little more efficient at a high cadence but standing and climbing, I spun my rear wheel constantly. Like every time I'd put power down, it would spin my rear wheel. So it sounds like whatever one you had was clocked very differently than the Absolute Black. So the the one that the way the thing I noticed about the Absolute Black is on climbs with a ridiculously low cadence and super steep, so limit of traction. I'm standing up. It gets it does smooth out the pedal stroke where I'm a little less likely to spin the rear tire. That is the only advantage that I've seen. But I usually just don't have that problem on a geared bike. I just figure out how to not ride like an idiot and I make what I have work. And then all the rest of my riding is nice and smooth because I'm on my nice round ring and I'm all happy. So um that's my input on it so far. I just I haven't seen the advantages to me have not outweighed the disadvantages, so that sucker's coming off. Yeah. Well, I mean, that would, from a physiological standpoint, um, there is, if you could have a chain ring custom made for your body, like where your muscle attachments are, your bone length, um, your muscle fiber type, whether, you know, you're more fast twitch or slow twitch, um, if you could have a custom oval ring made that took all of those things into account physiologically speaking like if you had one built for your kinesiology it would be better than a round ring but the problem is they make an oval ring and that's it's like pearl azumi shoes there's like four people that that works for sure and everyone else it's like eh, it's a little bit wrong you know like it's you know they're they're trying to do something that you know, in, in theory is correct if you're, you know, given like the, 
I guess the the inconsistencies in force you put out through a pedal stroke, but everyone's inconsistencies in force are different. Sure, and that totally makes sense. And I watch people, I watch some people ride, and I try not to like fall off my bike laughing because I'm trying to figure out what the <laughs> hell they're doing. You know, they're just like they're flopping around on the bike, and like you know they're going in a dead straight line, and like they're roosting. I'm like, how how do you even do that? It makes no sense. Uh, so for that type of person, somebody who's really like a pedal masher and wants to run a ridiculously hard gear all the time. I think it might be okay. Yeah. Um, or for somebody who loves to do a ton of extended out of the saddle, low cadence climbing. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of do those things. I don't think I, I think do it, it be smoothly. Okay. I, I, I think don't I'm, do that. Yeah. I'm pretty smooth about it, but I, I do tend to run a little lower cadence. It doesn't bother me to run a lower cadence. So anyway, that's my input on that. Uh, what else have I done? Uh, oh, you guys will find this pretty cool. So Iron Mountain, we went there over the weekend with a big old group of people and had a heck of a lot of fun. Uh, they are putting in, I don't know how many more miles, but I'm going to guess when they're done, it's going to be somewhere in the ballpark of 10 extra miles. Yeah. And they're doing it right. They're they're hiring, uh, I think, the same company that's done the rest of the trail so far. Uh, but yeah, they're in there. We saw them out there with all their equipment, and they've got little miniature backhoes and little miniature bulldozers and they're doing all the little bench cut stuff and it's really cool and they they get that knocked out fast it That's is really, really cool neat. and it's Some of course it's have... well done and it's you know it's going to drain and yeah. it's wide but it's not it's not so wide that it's not going to be fun it's just yeah, I, yeah. Think it's, I really do think it's just right like i'm i am totally all for it um i'm not the kind of person that says oh it has to be you know everything has to be a bars width single track and you know it can't look like a machine did it. I'm like, yeah, screw I mean, that. Some, it it will it will grow in like as the lines form. Yeah. As the lines form, the parts that, that's that aren't being used as a line will start to get leaves on them, and then a little grass, and then a branch will grow there. You know, like into that part of the trail. So it it they get smaller. They do, they do. But anyway, I'm what I'm saying is it's not like they went in with some you know giant piece of machinery and just clear cut this whole thing. It's nothing like that. Uh, but they're doing it right, and they're doing it the machinery, and they're just getting it done, and they're doing it right the first time. Um, really cool. So I'm really excited about that. It's over there by the uh, the kind of flatter cross-country section that's across the road, if that makes sense. I don't know. That whole trail's flat to me now. Okay, everything <laughs> there is pretty cross-country. Well, not not the places that go right up and down the dam, but the ones that are further down the paved road. Kenny, I've ridden there twice. I know where you're talking about. Those, they're like the the slightly, like the, the little bit more boring sections of trail. There's like no rocks or anything. Yeah, but it's over there by the lake, and it's actually cool. They're making it where you can have a whole lot of different views of the lake as you ride. So oh, anyway, cool. really, really cool. So I'm excited about that. Um, and Arkansas is building all kinds of trails. They're going nuts over there. So, yeah, Arkansas uh, is pretty amazing. Yeah, if you guys are looking for a place to live, I think the Little Rock area would be <laughs> pretty darn good for real. I, I kind of like Colorado. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's that's pretty cool to hear. Yeah, that's super cool. Uh, what else is going on around here? I'm trying to think of new shit that I've seen that I hate or shit that I like. I've got a ton more people on Fox 34s. Um, I have, no joke, ordered, I think, like six or eight Fox 34s in two weeks, three weeks. Oh, yeah. William Baker was asking me about a, a pivot and, and what fork and that kind of stuff. And I told him 
get the 429 with the Fox 34 or Pike. Cool. Yeah, we've been going back and forth. He wants to do a bike, and we're just trying to get him fit up a little bit better. Right now, he's on a uh, he's on a Jet 9 large with a 100 mil stem, and I'm trying to get him on a little bit shorter stem and yeah. get him just a little bit further back on the I bike. Think, I think the pivots run slightly larger, don't they? Like stack and reach-wise, aren't they a little bit bigger? Off the top of my head, I don't know. I really think that his perfect bike right now, and we're still talking about it, is just going to be an XL Tallboy because the XL is just a hair bigger yeah. than the large, and yeah. then he can run a little bit shorter stem on it, and uh, it's got a much slacker seat tube angle, uh-huh. and he can just be a little bit more rearward biased on that bike. Um, but we're looking at the p- big problem is this is really funny too. So anybody curious looking at a Niner RKT, that new racy 90 mil travel Niner that's out? Uh-huh. Um, what's interesting about it is that the extra small the small and the medium are all a little bit shorter pretty much in all dimensions and, you know, shorter head tube. So the bars are going to be a little bit lower and the standover height's lower. Like they're just kind of a little bit smaller, racier frames. But then the large and the XL inexplicably are a lot bigger. Or sorry, I take that back. The large is about the same as today's large, but the standover height is taller. And the XL is absolutely giant, like <laughs> sketchy, like scary giant. So the standover on the current XL jet is something like 760 or 770. You know, I think, I think standover is a really bunk measurement. No, I know it's not the end-all be-all, but I'm just thinking like if you have just a few centimeters of clearance on your large and then you go look at an XL in that same exact bike – and it's two or three centimeters taller, you're already running into an issue. It's and not then, an issue. Like, no now, one now, no one on. does that. Like, that, that measurement the just... RKT is three centimeters taller than that. I mean, it's, it's going to be up to, like, my shoulder. It's probably wrong. Well, I asked them about it, and they claim it's not, and the seat tube height is that much taller as well. So it makes sense that the standover would be taller. It just doesn't matter. Like you don't stand over your bike like that. You don't. Rep the problem like that. is, he really I think would be good on every measurement on that XL RKT, with the exception of the seat tube height, which we can make work. I mean, it's not like it's not going to work. But the standover is absolutely ludicrously high. Like it is, it is completely insane. I mean, you don't wreck and, like, straddle your bike. You don't, like, if you're going to hit your nuts on your top tube, it doesn't matter if your standover clearance is one centimeter or negative one centimeter. You're going to hit your nuts on your top tube. I understand, and that's totally legit, but I'm just shocked how much taller it is than the old bikes. It just doesn't make any sense to me. But anyway, that's my little bit of, the little bit of geometry looking that I've done in the RKT. I was just shocked because one of their little bullet points is, hey, we've got lower standover yeah, heights yeah, I've seen on this that. bike. Six, so you mean not, Niner made more garbage? Yeah, but it's just not true. All of a sudden, the Jet 9 is not a good cross-country bike. You need the RKT9. <laughs> and I like my Jet, and I, I've liked... I've the really Jet's have, a great cross-country bike. I have nothing but good stuff to say about my bike. I'm not trashing Niner or the RKT. I'm just saying it's very weird that they just, they'd made those design choices. It's just Well, no, what they did is they made a large, and then they made an X.5... L. They didn't make 
They were too cheap to make an extra large and a double extra large, so they just made a fucking giant extra large. Yeah, that's and what that's they really did. what they that's really they should did. have done is they should have had an XL that was a normal XL, and then they should have built an XXL that can legitimately fit that person who's between six four and six seven. Nope, not it takes it any. takes another mold, it takes another skew, it takes another bike to blow out on competitive cyclists at the end of the year. I mean, it's just Absolutely. a pain in the ass. Oh, so, I totally, I totally understand why they don't do it. So for everyone out there that says fuck specialized, guess what? They make double XLs in some of their bikes. So fuck the little guys that are still pain in the ass, piece <laughs> of shit, hard to fucking deal with companies. I I got I'm all riled up. I saw someone this morning said, I'll ride anything but specialized. Well, you know what? Specialized makes really, really, really good fucking bikes. You know why? Because they sell a bunch of shit. They sell a bunch of shit with no technology in it. Because seven hundred dollar bikes don't have technology in it, and they take all that money and they get rich as fuck. And part of what they do while getting rich as fuck is build a bunch of really, really badass shit because they have the money to dump into the R&D. They have the money to build new molds for a World Cup shorter chainstay carbon fiber race bike that's one by only. They have the money to do all that stuff. And then people get all their panties in a wad because Mike Senyard is someone who has an overreaching long arm of the law to protect his vested interest of selling a bunch of fucking bikes. Man, I haven't had a good rant in a long time. That was good. <laughs> All right, then. I wasn't going to like bring it up, and then Kenny's like pissed that the bike is really like a bobo-ass extra, extra large. I don't think Kenny was pissed. I think Kenny was just saying I mean, but Kenny's that. in a pickle because if, if there was a traditional extra large, that's what he would sell to this customer. But well, since was, it doesn't exist... He was asking he, me about a pivot before... It, uh, hypothetically would sell to this customer. I mean, but Kenny doesn't even have that option because... And I've believed this, like the the large extra large jump and and even the the RDO was kind of weird. Like I could have rode a large, I could have rode an extra large, and like after getting on the large, it it wasn't really that big, and like an extra large was so much bigger. And he's saying the extra large is even bigger now. Like yeah, I mean I hate to say, well I don't hate to say it at all. Um, Santa Cruz I think has it a little bit better dialed for being a smaller company. Um, I like that they have in most models they have an XXL, um, and it's really big. And I think a big thing that that goes back to though is Santa Cruz is a 26 inch wheeled company. Their sizing is much more 26 inch. So if you can imagine, if you rode a large, what is that bike called? Blur or not Blur? Fuck, I don't even know what it's called. What's their old 26 inch bike? The Blur. Was that the, the The Blur was their really, really popular 26 full suspension bike. There were some other ones as well. The Blur was popular. The Blur LT, I think, is what really got them popular. Um, I don't know how much travel it was. Say it was 130 or something like that, uh, 26er. And that one was super, super popular. What was the, the 26 inch? Is the Blur the 26 inch tall boy, pretty much? Uh, mm, I don't really know. They had one that was shorter than that. Uh, what was that one called? They had a really old one that was popular, like really, really old, like early 2000s, and it was just a single pivot bike. The Superlight. Uh, yeah, I think it was the Superlight, yeah. But if you were, yeah, so if you had a, a 26er large Superlight and you bought a Tallboy 29er, you bought a large. There was none of this middle area, you might be a medium, you might be a large. Their large 26ers match their large 29ers. End of story. And 
the reason that they make double extra larges is because their larges are the same size as their larges from 1997 and from 2002. If you go back and you look, a large 26-inch bike would be laughable under me. And I ride large 29ers all day. All day. Get on them. Ride them. They look right. But I wouldn't ride a large 26er from anyone ever. And Santa Cruz is a lot closer to that. I would definitely have to ride an XL in a Santa Cruz bike. You would, without a doubt, yep. But the, the it's it's not a, a Santa Cruz does it better. Santa Cruz does it more true. And when they did it more true, they saw a need to offer more sizes. And everyone else that's kind of made newer bikes, they just make bigger bikes. And their bikes also, are all bigger. They also don't make the ridiculously extra small 29er that, in my opinion, just shouldn't exist. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of silly. I told him he needs to get Renee a, a, a Mach 4 or something like that, like a, a 650B bike. Gotcha. Yeah, I think she would. Women, like tiny women like her, can could probably haul ass on a Mach 4. Yeah, stuff. God, that was a good rant. <laughs> that was a, yeah. That was pretty On that good note, rant. though, it actually brings up another uh, interesting topic, and just something that I'm trying to get better at is just analyzing what people need. You know, hey, what wheel size does this person need? Hey, I've got this five foot, five foot five woman. You know, should she be on a 650B? Should she be on a 29? And I know there's a lot of conjecture for that, and there's not necessarily a right answer. But what I think is interesting in Renee's case, um, so she is. Um, what, how tall is she? A little over five feet? Yeah, she's like five one, maybe? <laughs> sure. Um, so let's say she's five one, five two, maybe on no, a good day. Renee is definitely five two. Renee okay, is as so. tall as my mom. So okay. Renee's five two, let's say. And the, the deal with that is she started on a 29er. That's what she got serious with. That was her, all of her really nice first bikes were 29s. And that got her, that, I think that gave her confidence because it does roll over things a little bit easier, um, holds momentum a little bit better. I think that if now she went back to a 27 and a half, I think that she might like it. But if she started on a smaller wheel, I don't know that she'd necessarily want to go the other way or if she would have been as confident as she is today because she started on the 29, if that makes sense. So, yeah, I mean, well, I think that, uh, well, something to highlight about Renee is she's probably 115 pounds. Maybe. Soaking wet with so the pack. 27, I, don't think, I don't even think she weighs that, but go on. But the advantages of the 29er may have been offset by its extra weight, its extra rotational weight. Like, would the increase in stability of the 29er, as a new rider, would she have traded that for something that was easier to go on? To pedal. To pedal. Because she's so little. Yeah, so if she was like, I think I need to just pedal harder to do this the harder would have been more effective. So Yeah. No, I definitely understand all the all the different angles of the argument. But I mean, that's just one of those situations where, you know, now that six fifty B bikes are more numerous, you would just have that person you know, I mean they just need to try both sizes and decide for themselves. Because someone who's five five, you can get twenty niners that fit them just fine. You can get twenty seven five bikes that fit them just fine. And you know, whether they want either size, like you can just you just gotta let them choose for themselves. Yeah, my advice would be for the most part, unless you're a really weird special case, is just stay away from the absolute ludicrously small twenty nine because they don't work. They're just 
funky. They're really funky. Like the Trek 15 and a half. Um, I mean, and the nine are extra small. The smallest Trek is like ridiculously tiny. It's 27.5 now. Oh, well, there you go. They knew it was ridiculously <laughs> tiny. They changed it. And the 27.5 ones are not G2. So G2 doesn't exist in 27.5. All right. Well, here we go. They did invent that for 29ers, though, right? I'm just saying. I'm just giving you what I know. Okay. Well, Do you know what the be. offset of the forks are for 27.5 on Trek? Whatever companies make. It's just nothing special. It's a 27.5 so, bike. Well, that's the thing. I don't even I don't even know, to be honest. So, obviously, in the 29er world, I am programmed that your traditional fork for the longest time was 46 offset. And then G2 is 51. And now, also, uh, Ibis and Santa Cruz and a few other companies are actually starting to spec 51 offset forks on a lot of their bikes. Uh, and then kind of build the bike around that. And they actually end up working pretty darn well if right. you do it right. Um, and also, for example, if you want to buy a, uh, I know the Pike you can get it in both configurations, but if you want to buy a Fox 34, it's 51 or nothing. That's all you get. No, oh, I didn't realize that. 51 or nothing. That that kind of sucks a little bit, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I've just I've yet to encounter a situation where it doesn't work well. I mean, I'd like to. I would give it a try for sure, but I'm incredibly happy with how my pivot handles with. A 46 offset uh, pike on it. And, and you're sure it's a 46? Yeah, I ordered oh, okay. it that way. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't know if the if it was one of the deals where it came like a package frame fork. No, no. They started putting uh, all of their Fox 34s are delivered as Boost 110 now. And you know what's really weird about that is that there's not, unless it's the longer travel version, in 120 millimeter, you can only get a 51 offset 29 Fox 34 with a 100 mil axle. You cannot get a boost. Uh, pivot selling them. So if it's an OE thing, maybe. Yeah, I, I or, mean, I guess it must be. Oh, I OE. know what it is. It's the 429 Trail, right? I'll bet you that's no, the no. A real like when the 429 Trail came out. Yeah. Pivot like spec'd those with Fox 34s and Boost 110, and mm-hmm. at the same time they started putting Fox 34s in Boost 110 at 120 millimeters of travel. On all of the 429 SLs. Weird. I really wonder what fork that is. I'll try to find that out tomorrow because when I looked at their little drill down on the site, you cannot get, uh, you can't get that configuration. If you just want a regular old 29 fork, 120 mil travel, not that like crazy of a configuration really. It's 51 offset only, 100 mil axle only. Oh yeah, this is they're definitely Boost 110 because we had two customers in the same week that had had custom wheels built for their yeah, bikes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, their forks came in at Boost 110. So, question for you: Do you th- could you tell if they were maybe the 27 and a half plus fork because they fit a 29 just fine? They would just be really, really wide. Um, I don't know. They definitely said Boost 110 on them. Yeah, it makes me wonder if that was maybe the the quote 27 and a half plus fork because the 27 and a half plus fork is uh, has all the same geometries and actual crowns and blah blah blah. As the thirty regular thirty four twenty nine er version. Oh it's my just, god! I hate bikes. It's boost one, <laughs> it, yeah, it's just boost one ten, and it's just a lot wider, and it can accommodate obviously a three inch tire. And that fork, by the way, we set it up for two customers now. If anybody's curious, and I'm sure the internet is uh, alive with pictures of this very thing, 
But if you have a 29 plus three inch tire, it will fit with what I consider ample clearance uh, on the 27 and a half plus Fox 34. So really cool. So if you've got uh, a Narvester or whatever. a Krampus or a whatever. Or uh, some other shitty bike that isn't that much fun to ride. <laughs> oh. So, <laughs> uh, our work has a really good program where you get an employee demo bike. Um, you get a, an allotment, a dollar value allotment to order any bike we, we stock. So it has to be in the family of bikes that's on the floor. You can't get like a dirt jump bike. You can't get, you know, so at the end of the year, you turn it back in and they just clean it up and sell it as any of our other demo bikes would be sold. Um, so it needs to be something that we have that way. It's something that makes sense. Um, so, uh, buddy got the specialized fuse, which is their 27, five by three inch tired bike. And it came with, I don't remember which rims, but the ground control 3.0 tires and, uh, Manitou fork and, uh, it's garbage. It is straight garbage. Manitou fork is, or the entire everything about that bike is just well, that absolute fork, garbage. That fork makes me want to throw up in my mouth. Those things are just horrible. It They're has so bad. It has no low speed compression. Zero. They're so so bad. I rode the uh, the Stash Plus thing, and I like the bike. There's nothing wrong with it compared to other. I'm comparing this to other 29 pluses I've ridden. So Narvisters with super aggressive rigid forks, for example. Narvisters with long suspension forks and everything in between. And I've ridden quite a few of them now. You've ridden a Krampus too, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. And I, I've rode the Stash Plus, and I liked the bike as far as you know how it handled and all that kind of stuff. But the fork that was on it, oh my god, it was. I don't even know what it was. I didn't even. I didn't what pay color much attention. was it? Uh, it was. I think it was black. It was like a. No, the bike. I know for a fact it was not a Rock Shock. It was not a Fox. No, it was no. Like a, what color a was the Manitou bike? Or a Magura or a something dumb. I don't know. It was horrible. What color was the bike? I have no idea. Was the bike okay? So, did it have? It was like one of their least expensive builds. So the blue one is the Stash Five, and that's rigid. The Stash Seven comes with a Minitou comp, and it's a that- purple bike. And then the Stash Nine is black, and it comes with a dropper post, a carbon bar, and the Minitou Pro. It's that one. It's the purple one or the black? One? I don't know. <laughs> did it have a dropper post? Uh, it might have. Did it have XL one or did it have one by ten? I I don't I don't remember. <laughs> I'm the shittiest. I'm the shittiest bike reviewer. No, it was just in the store. I was I was rolling through, and I just said, "Hey, I want to ride that," and I just rode it around in the parking lot for a minute. Um, and I didn't pay that much attention to the bike spec because I really because I truly didn't care. I was more, more I was more concerned about the geometry of the frame, how it steers, that kind of thing, compared to what I rode before. I just ignored the components. I know that sounds really silly, but I just didn't even look. But I, I'm 99% sure it was a Manitou something. Well, I guess what I'm trying to get at, though, is the Minute Comp has no low-speed compression at all. Like so I, is, the, is the Minute, is that a brand, or is that the minute, a Minute Manitou? Uh, sorry, it's a, a Manitou Minute Comp. Okay. I'm pretty sure it's the Minute. I can't remember. I, I remember that name from somewhere. Well, the, they used to make a Minute. That came on some Titus bikes as well. And the other thing about me, like j- just so that I can sleep at night, I just assume that Manitou doesn't exist. So I don't even like say the name, <laughs> or even even like think about it. 
I don't like well, accidentally look it up on the they? internet or anything because I don't want to get like scared. Uh, <laughs> I just I don't even I just assume they don't exist. So I literally know nothing about their model ranges or Magnum any that kind of stuff. It's the Magnum. It's all big and beefy. It's Magnum size. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but I did know that the fork felt like shit, even in the parking lot, brand spanking new. It felt like a notchy bag of ass. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> a notchy bag of ass. <laughs> On Adam's bike, and Adam weighs 190 pounds. Are you serious? What do you mean, are you serious? I didn't know he was that big. He's not really that big. I mean, if you ever, like... Adam in Florida? No, Adam. Oh. Like, oh. beefy Adam that I work I with. I thought you meant Adam in Murphy. No, Adam Murphy weighs, like, 106. Yeah, Adam Murphy weighs... Yeah, he's, like, six foot nine, and he weighs, like, 120 pounds. Adam's the same size as me. He just has a bigger Adam's apple, and he wears baggier clothes. So, he doesn't look as, like... He, he looks skinnier, because he doesn't wear tight clothes. Okay. Because his clothes yeah, hang keep off Keep on of talking him. about the other Adam that is not so Adam So, Adam weighs 190. And the fork was set up for him at like 25% sag for him. And no joke, I could lean, I could just, on my pike, which I understand is like a premier, like top of the line baller fork, but I could lean into the minute and like I can lean into my pike and like pick myself up to where only my toes are on the ground and I go like, Barely into the travel on the pike. Like it, it just, it's firm. It holds itself up there. That's the, you know, low speed. It's, it's not diving in, you know. The Magnum Fork has nothing like that. I was able to go through like 30 millimeters of travel on it just by picking myself up off the ground. Not a, not a sharp stab into the bars, but a very even and like controlled, like slower than a push up. Like, well, not slower than my push ups. My push ups are pretty slow, but like, <laughs> unweight myself and like load into the fork and it just it just dives right in it feels like the fork is fully open like raging mode on a pike that's set up for somebody with like 20 pounds lighter than myself um and i rode it around in the parking lot and the same thing you dive it into a corner and it just it just falls on its face um and the the tire has a 20 psi max rating and Adam ran 15, which, I mean, that's not really unreasonable. I mean, the tire says go to 20. It's three inches in diameter. You're like, well, you know, 15, let me give it a go. You know, that's a great starting point. He didn't try 12 or 10. You know, it seems reasonable. He was burping on the way up. He put air in it at the top, and he dented his rim on the first ride back down. Like big dent, like big gnarly dent in the rim. Um so the three-inch wheel bike has a long way to come, a long way. Yeah, they'll get somewhat better eventually. I mean, slightly tw- better. 29ers sucked when they came out, but that's true. We just got to wait, like I don't know, six or seven years, and the three-inch tire is going <laughs> to be just good. like road road hydraulic disc brakes. It's like I I'm excited for what like the 2017 SRAM offering, whatever that is. Till I'm then, not, like, because it's a SRAM. Oh, well, maybe. <laughs> well, I mean, if, new if it messes up, you can just call the Srambulance. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe in 10 years or so, we'll have, like, a nuclear winner from some awesome nuclear war. And then, like, maybe that three-inch bike will be cool to have, like, Mad Max style, you know? <laughs> kind of no. utilitarian. No, the tires are too thin. You'll cut them on everything in this, like, dystopian, like, Oh, God. War Man, I'm going to stock up on surface drifters. 
<laughs> Kenny, you have to start using the term "srambulance" for the, the sram. The srambulance. Yeah, for the sram warranty department, you called the srambulance. <laughs> they would be so pissed if every time they pick up the phone, I'm like, <laughs> "Is this make, the srambulance?" Yeah, make ambulance noises. Moo, 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 moo. No, it's just, oh, no, it's shit, the sound of Sid. just record the sound of an avid brake howling, and that's the noise that the strambulance makes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's really like one of three things. It's like I have an avid brake that exploded. I have a creaky fork. I have a pike that's not working. Or I have an XX cassette that's stuck. My pike charger is doing weird stuff. Or you, what, have you seen a creaky XX one cassette yet? Uh, yes. Did they take care of that? Yes. Cool. Call the Strambulance. I'm going to call the Strambulance tomorrow. Yeah, no, they always take care of it. SRAM is awesome about that. We've talked about that. But, uh, yeah, you do You do have to call them a lot. I will say, I have called SRAM significantly less in the past year Since than I have guide, before. Guide breaks? And I think I know why. <laughs> because you've sold less SRAM? There's that. Uh, but uh, they, they stopped. Well, they didn't stop. They greatly reduced the number of elixirs out there and then also everybody else in the world greatly reduced the number of elixirs that they put on their shit yeah the guides seem to be doing okay so far i i've had yeah so i'm still riding my guides that's a cool thing to talk about i've got guide rscs and i was super sketched out by it and i actually like woke up in the middle of night after i ordered them and (laughs) and yeah i woke up in a cold sweat kenny slaps himself on the full face helmet and he's like pull it together man I woke up and I was just screaming. I was like, SRAM! Oh, God! DNF! Oh, oh God. And then I went back to sleep. And uh, <laughs> But they've done okay. They've done okay. So I did an endurance race, and they survived. And they have survived another couple hundred miles since then, and they feel just like they did when I set them up. So, so far, so good. They have a whole bunch of pad retraction, which is really, really good, especially important for a uh, – a big old quad piston brake like this one because the brake pads are super, super long. So if you don't have much clearance there, it's impossible to get them to not rub. Yeah. Uh, that was a big problem I was having with the latest generation hopes, and that's why I just canned that whole thing. Um, but, yeah, they've been really, really good. So uh, only positive feedback so far on the RSC. Uh, I have not ridden the Ultimates yet. Dude. They are a slightly different design. Like they've got different pistons, and they kind of like scare me and – they like redesigned a bunch of stuff for like a reason I don't really understand why. Like they totally changed the caliper. I I just don't really know why. And I also don't know if I like carbon lever blades at all on anything. I actually really I don't like know. my XTR ones have been solid. I'm gonna go the other route. So tomorrow I am going to order DB ones. Oh God. Well, what's like thirty dollars cost on each one or something? What? You can't fucking talk about that on the air. We talk about we talk about wiping our butts with a wet towel. We can talk about how much parts cost. We shouldn't talk. No, we don't need to talk about wholesale cost on parts. But anyway, why are you buying? Why are you buying DB ones? <laughs> uh, Shimano brakes do not work in the cold. Uh, that is true. Yes, and I if my brakes aren't working, it's too cold to be riding. Um, from what I understand, and this has been shared with me. Um, it's only going to be about seven miles from my house to work, and uh, apparently the traffic, if there's ever snow or ice, traffic just stops. You literally, like, uh, 
buddy at work said it took him 20 minutes to clear one intersection. And so you're, you're so preparing Denver yourself. Turns into Memphis? You're going to get spike tires and you're going to get SRAM DB1s and you're going to commute to work is what you're saying. That I have, uh, I have a line on some studded tires that are probably going to be pretty cheap or free to use. And I have DB1s on order. Um, they're going to order, be ordered tomorrow. And the plan is to take my Crave. I still have that frame and rigid fork, and I just got a carbon bar for my hardtail, so I have an aluminum bar. I have an extra seat and seat post. I've got some really bogus crank. Um, I have extra extra wheels, so if I have a, um, a set of brakes, I'll have a, a winter commuter bike. And the plan is to maybe put some... I don't want to say real miles on it, but do some actual rides on it at some point, you know. And dude, dude, can we e-bike it? I think that'd be a pretty legitimate an use of an e-bike. No. Yeah, you got massive studs no. and 500 watt motor and you're no. just ripping. That would be like just quite the opposite of what you want. You want something that's like light and agile and like not if but when you start wrecking, it doesn't cram you into the ground. Yeah, wrecking a 70 pound e-bike at 40 miles an hour, which is what I definitely plan on doing. It sounds really scary. Oh, now we know Kenny's secret project. Kenny's secret wintertime project is to get an e-bike and put an airbag on it. No, I want to have, like, I want to do something sketchy, like, you know, dual. I like the Bionic stuff. I want a Bionics 500-watt hub motor, and I want one front and one rear. That'd be People so awesome. Like they, they actually sell those as a commuter. No. They don't have, as far as I've seen so far at Elevation, they don't have uh, any e-mountain bikes, but they do have, um, I've seen a few of the Yuba something or other with the Bionics motor come through. Yeah. And uh, they look pretty cool. They're like, the two I've seen are cargo bikes, like totally made for use. Sure. But yeah, that's uh, pretty cool. So I want to be scared of my e-bike and I want it to be like sketchy, like, you have to tell someone like, hey, if you go wide open throttle, you can only go wide open throttle for like 10 seconds or like shit's going to melt or catch on fire <laughs> or like something sketchy. I like stuff that's scary that you can't just like you, can't you just want like the Christians 240 of e-bikes. Exactly. Yeah, it should it should scare you and it should scare others. <laughs> <laughs> you just summed up every person I've ever met that rides a recumbent or an e-bike. Oh, and I, I hate you. There was a dude. <laughs> There was a dude that brought her coming in today because his shifter was broken. Of course it was. And his seat looked like a loofah. Of course. You know, I, like, don't, I don't. But no one would test ride it because no one wanted to sit in the seat because uh, it was so man. gross. Recumbent bike people are gross. Why is that? He I don't was, understand like, that. He was just so sweaty. Unlike other people, <laughs> I actually really like stereotypes. I think they're hilarious. I love stereotypes. And why I love are recumbent being stereotyped. Bike people, like, they're like really. They're just weird people. <laughs> They're so strange. He did. Like, he it. dropped it off, and he was like, he was like, I'm going to go over to Einstein's and eat some bagels, and I'll come back later. <laughs> how many bagels are you going to eat? Yeah. How many, how many bagels do you think I can eat uh, while you're working on my recumbent? Because I need to know. <laughs> Matt's giving like, me the cut. Yeah. He's giving me the cut sign. This, this guy's going to, like, stab me. He was wearing a loose chamois, and it was scary. Oh, like a baggy. He was wearing baggy spandex shorts. 
It's like that that scene in Saving Private Ryan when that guy's getting slowly, slowly stabbed. <laughs> That's what I think recumbent cyclists are going to do to me. Oh man! <laughs> oh god! <clears throat> well, this has just been the what Kenny has done in the past since we talked to him. Episode of just riding along. <laughs> Looks like we'll have to record another episode to hear what happened at Twenty Four Hour World. Oh shoot! Sorry, I totally, uh, I totally took over on that one. No, that's okay. You need to do that sometimes. We can't just always have like the Matt Rant show and Andrea Race's show. God, <laughs> but seriously, let's go back to that. Just recap. No, we don't. We don't. No, mean, let's recap quietly and reasonably. <laughs> I don't understand how someone has enough time in the day. To make it a point to be pissed off that a large, innovative, like, like, progressive, helped found mountain biking as we know it company. How do you have enough time in the day? How do you have enough energy in your body? How do you have enough emotion left over to love puppies? <laughs> if you have the ability to day in, day out hate a corporation that isn't like i don't know the we rape kittens corporation (laughs) like if it's a corporation that sells one of the products that you love a bike company you love bikes if you hate that company i don't understand how you have enough time now there's some very pretentious small companies that I would love to just take a shit on someone's desk there. <laughs> How can you There's, hate a company that makes something you love? No, these large companies that are generally selling quality products at reasonable prices. Now, if you have some small builder that's like, our shit's curated. I'm just like, fuck you, it's a two-wheel bike. But <laughs> but a large company <laughs> that's like that employs... the m- same thing, but the opposite size. This no. is like the right-wing... Matt rant. No, it's not at all. I like specialized and track big, cor- big corporations and <laughs> No. Here's the thing. If a big corporation like specialized does be, something be taxed like people. If a large corporation like specialized decides to do something, there's been a lot of people involved to get to that point where they make that decision. When a small, like very tiny company makes a decision, it's made by a dude or two dudes. And if sometimes a woman some if these people not in the bike industry unfortunately um and if these people want to run around and act like their shit doesn't stink because they're making another bicycle and it's not and oftentimes my hatred for them stems from their their brazen just i'm not big corporation it's like it doesn't matter let's get people on bikes pumped that's what i want and if you just hate a company I don't understand. Like, there's a lot of. I don't care. I don't care about the size of the company. I want them to make a quality product. That's the only thing I care about, and I want them to don't stand be a, behind it. Don't be like, a dick I'll, if I have to call you about it. Yeah, like have, you know, I understand that not everybody has a bajillion dollars to throw out, around on marketing or this or that or whatever. But if you're going to make a product, do it right, and do it right the first time. Kenny, I told I told someone you're Chris King. Read it like a tea leaf story. Oh yeah, what they think? Uh, he thought that was right along the lines of what of his experience with Chris King. 
Yeah, and maybe they change. And the thing is, I like to be a little bit open-minded because, again, I talked to – well, it was two different people on, like, two different days. But that was a long time ago. I hope that now, like, if I called them, maybe they change or those people – Maybe they're not high. Or the people – yeah, they they're, they ran out of weed money or, or something. I don't really know. Uh, but hopefully they've changed. I don't know. They're actually making a new product. So they've been working on a center lock hub for 17 and a half years, and they just released it. So that's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> sure. I just saw that in the uh, in the little news tidbit. All right. Yeah, center lock hubs from uh, Chris King. Center lock boost hubs. Uh, oh, wow, they're boost too? That is crazy fast. Well, they're, work- they're working on a square taper bottom bracket for like 18 and a half years, and then they decided to like not actually release it because – Square taper's dead. Square taper anymore. We'll see with Boost. A guy paced around for about six weeks, and then he realized he just added ten millimeters to the center of the front hub. And the guy was like, "Wait, so the center of the shell between the flanges gets ten millimeters wider, and the axle between the bearing seats." Gets tw- 10, 10 millimeters wider. I think we can make a boost front hub, guys. <laughs> I think uh, we can do it. What's weird is don't they do all their in-house machining? No. Yeah, they do. Maybe they don't. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe they think people, you know, they make people think they do or something, but they don't, and that's why it's so difficult for them to get anything done. I heard that they their factory runs off of, it's like a steam plant that the steam is made out of bald eagle tears. Oh, yeah, it takes a while to get those. They have to cry about something. So. Yeah, they've they got, actually, like, cages full of bald eagles. They actually have super uh, sustainable practices for all their anodization stuff, so all the parts have to be thoroughly washed before they are used or anodized, and what they do is they wash it in tank one, and then two, three, four, and only when tank one becomes too dirty to do an effective washing do they then replace tank one with two, two with three, three with four, and produce a new tank four from new solvent. Um, and also, they collect all of their own CNC machine like droppings, like all the shavings, and they condense them down into pucks in house. And it makes it much easier to recycle and much more valuable to recycle. And it gives them the ability to do more recycling in house. Almost like they do a couple of the steps in house and it squeezes the oil out of the stuff and it's a higher grade recyclable product that they sell back to help offset their cost. And uh, their factory is partially underground to reduce reduce the uh, heating and cooling costs as well. So, I mean, it, Damn, they, do you read like some Chris King article or something? Uh, I've, I've read that a long time ago. I mean, it's, they did that like, I'll, I'll say it, they did that before it was cool to be sustainable. Um, I gotcha. I so. gotcha. I just see like I have this mental picture of, Chris King, like, uh, sweeping up CNC little giblets and then putting them in a paper bag and then handing them out to bums. <laughs> like to take to the recycling center. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. We should probably stop recording. <laughs> We're going to get super angry letters from, like, Chris King and all that. It's going to be awesome. Well, that's all right. I mean, Chris King has, has acted like hippies before. I mean, in both ways. You know, sustainably and on the phone, like <laughs> pothead-wise. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. All right, are we ready to uh, wrap it up? Yes. Sure. All right. Well, I've got the sniffles. <laughs> you get to listen to me have the sniffles for an hour. 
<laughs> I, I didn't do that Aziz reference very well, but anyway. All right, well. Are you going to blow your fucking nose or we're going to have to listen to you have the sniffles for the next hour? There you go. Oh, God, what was that? It's the Saving Private Ryan scene where he gets sad really slowly. I've never seen that, so I was going to watch it. Um, <laughs> yeah, you'll like it. So just think about uh, uh, think about the average recumbent uh, owner and them maybe sneaking up on you <laughs> at, after they drop their bike off and then they, they stab you. This no, this is, well, they would see you like, coming in their mirrors, so they would be like yeah. waiting for you to come by. This, this guy had uh, – Oh! What? Oh, go ahead. Go this ahead. Guy, well, this guy really just needs some bagels. <laughs> like plural. So Bagels. we did a ride. Wait, wait. On. Oh, sorry. He we also he also we like ran back and he's like, let me grab this. Can't. He's like, no need to put some extra miles on it and like grabbed his computer off the bike so it wouldn't get extra miles while it was in the stand. Dang, that's <laughs> that's really that's really weird. <laughs> okay, go ahead, Matt. I assume that he teaches maybe physical science at like uh, he definitely could middle pass, school. He could definitely pass as a physical science middle school teacher. Okay, cool. In Boulder, don't those don't those kind of folks remind you of recumbent riders? Is that just me? Like a beard, like a neatly trimmed beard. Yeah, yeah. Like kind of awkward. Yeah. <laughs> and they're always like men in their you know like. At least 40 years no, old. No, no. Women can ride recumbents, too. I know. There was that one lady, Valerie, but she she could pass as a physics teacher in middle school also. I, th- I think that was a phase, luckily. Yeah, she went on to something else. Um, I think she rides real real bicycles now. Matt, what were you saying? I had my greatest path leap moment yesterday. Oh, <laughs> that was good. This guy comes by. On his fucking it what was, was that TT thing? It was a it was the super felt FRD TT bike, and and an aero helmet and an aero helmet and like whatnot. And I was just like, Matt like goaded him like chased like kind of like, after him. So it, the the chair the the Bear Creek path it parallels Bear Creek and there's a paved section and directly beside it like 12 inches of grass separates the pavement oh this is actually like the Platte River trail. oh Platte River sorry uh, separates the pavement and the gravel and uh, I like got behind the dude and the dude didn't really realize that I was back there on my cross bike with like knobby tires until he looked over his shoulder so he could like go around some people. And he dove off of the pavement onto the like the gravelly like crushed rock path, and he like skidded for like twenty inches. I mean, which sounds like a lot, but it's not really like. But his rear end hung out like three, like two and a half, three inches for just a second, and I was like, "Oh, oh, this dude's gonna eat shit, dude!" Oh, and then like he didn't, and we hopped back on the pavement, and I just like stayed riding behind him and he like had to hit the arrow bars he, and he, drop like, me. he was on the bullhorns and he like matt just bugged him enough that he got on the the he like hit the arrow bars and sped off <laughs> it was funny and only if you had a narwhal installed on your <laughs> uh cross bike a narwhal yeah they had those huge that. unicorn type spikes and they fight to the death I didn't know. Yeah, that, they, they, well, yeah. Uh, I didn't know you could put a narwhal, a narwhal on a bike. I'm yeah, sorry, I, I didn't see how you could put a a type of seagoing mammal on a cross bike. 
<laughs> yes, you, you grasp this weird single spike thing that comes out of the front of your bar, like all awkward style. Um, like like hand over hand, it's really weird. Could looking. you do that on a recumbent? Uh, yeah, you can put an R wall on a recumbent. <laughs> I gotta for sure. go. I gotta go. I got to go. <laughs> all right. Well, this has been. Uh, this has been the least informative episode of just riding along. This has been super informative. I think that my towel advice was solid. As much as we you t- thought we that it was about useless. Companies and stuff, and we, and it we wasn't that it wasn't good advice. It's just that I was like, I taught I'm picturing... people how to clean their their crack without people watching them clean their crack. Yeah, trail side flossing. I mean, we're doing everything no, here. People know what you're doing. You're just like covering it up. Oh my gosh, you are never going to get that back together if you take it apart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Matt just found some kind of puzzle that is probably made to like awaken the Illuminati or something by taking it apart and putting it back together. All right, we'll go send this picture, um, the Stan's alien picture to Ben and then watch the Saving Private Ryan scene. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Just Riding Along. Good night.